I'm so grateful that you're here today. We want to welcome you, and I just want to share something briefly with you this morning. We've been talking uh, over the past few weeks when we took a break for Palm Sunday and Easter. We uh, talked about being planted together. And this morning, we're going to continue taking a look at this study in Ephesians to help us understand why God has placed us all here together. You and I, we've all been planted in this thing called the body of Christ together, intended to grow and be all that God wants us to be. And we've been reading how Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we must grow up every way into him who is the head, speaking about Jesus, speaking in Christ. And Ephesians is this just overview of a look of what it means to be the church and see the church whenever it becomes visible. One of the things we've been saying every week, which is really important as we're talking today, is that growth is a sign of life. We all agree that, right? Growth is a sign of life, and God wants us as believers to mature together in the body of Christ. And this morning, we're going to continue looking here in Ephesians chapter 3, in a very unique verse that Paul gives, and one that we have read over briefly before, but we didn't really dive into it too much, but just briefly this morning, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul makes this a prayer as he's talking about being planted together and what it means to be spiritually formed into all that God wants us to be. And he says this, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. And this is the verse we're really going to be looking at today is he says we are being rooted and grounded in love. Important. I want to read the rest of this because Paul is very passionate about what he says about love here. And he goes on to expound this even more into a prayer. And he says, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now pay attention to verse 20 we're going to read. We're going to come back to this later. Now to him by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more. Did you notice that? Far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We have been rooted and grounded in love. All of us here, we've been planted together in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're you're this church, another church, all the believers around the world, we have been rooted and grounded in love. It's the soil in which we as believers have been planted together. It's the soil of love. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the soil of love. That you and I have been planted together in this body in the soil of love. And you notice something about soil, that soil is what gives nutrients to the plant. It's in the soil that nourishes the plant and helps the plant grow. And that tells us today that if we have been rooted and grounded in love, that it is the soil of love that is intended to help us grow, to be all that God intended us to be, to accomplish all that God wanted us to be. Lately, I've become somewhat of a green thumb, although my 
planting has turned into feeding the birds and a resident squirrel that we have now and not really planting much. But nonetheless, I've been playing with some soil a little bit. And the soil has taught me a little bit that it's, it's important, it's vital. It's important for the growth. It's important that you have healthy soil. If it has the wrong chemicals or acidity to it, it will cause the growth to deter in a certain way. But the soil of love is what we have been planted in. And the love of Christ is the premise for this existence of the church. It's the soil in which our our roots will grow, which is love, nothing less. You and I have not been placed in the soil of animosity. We haven't been placed in the soil of discord. We haven't been placed in the soil of bitterness, unforgiveness, or even criticism. It is the soil of love. That is where we have been rooted and grounded in love. And these nutrients of love are intended to nurture the lifestyle of living like Christ. And Paul truly wanted the church to understand this principle in love. And he made it a prayer. I want you to understand the the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's important that we mark that down today, that the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. Circle it, highlight it, and know that God's love, we can't reason it. There's no logic that can understand. There's no logic that can understand why in the world God would put himself on a cross for you and I in the way the lives that we live. There's no logic that makes sense for that. There's no logic that would compel us to forgive somebody who's done us wrong. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It goes surpasses knowledge. It doesn't make sense, but Paul wanted them to understand and be sure to know that this love, it's great. It's mighty. And see the, the, the depth and the length and the height of it. And so Paul goes in Ephesians chapter 5 and he gives them an explanation about this love. And he tells them more about what love looks like. And he encourages them with what is one of my favorite verses, a verse that I've really tried to live over my life over the past several years. In Ephesians chapter 5, he tells them this simple verse here. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love that verse and that image that Paul gives them, to be imitators of God as as beloved children, as dearly loved children, some translations say. Someone just said to me the other day about their, their son, they said that he's the son of his father. Meaning, all the mannerisms, everything that he did was just like his father. The way he moved, the way he acted, all of it he learned just from his father. And it's true of children, right? The way that they see their parents is the way that they mimic them. They learn everything about their life from their parents. And this is the image that Paul gives us about what it means to live in love, is to be imitators of God and live in love as Christ has loved us. And so we're going to talk just a few minutes about what it means to live in love. Just three things this morning about living in love. Number one, living in love is imitating Christ. Living in love is imitating Christ. If you want to live a lifestyle of love, if you want to live a life that is marked by love and shows love to the world, imitate Jesus. There's no greater example. Though Jesus told the disciples himself, no greater love is then when a brother lays down his life for his friend. There's no greater love than that. And that's the love that Jesus modeled for us. 
Paul goes on to this imagery in Ephesians chapter 5, which is really interesting. And he starts talking about this image of Jesus loving the church in comparison to marriage. And he says that just as the scripture gives us an image of Christ's love within the picture of marriage. He says these few things, just as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He goes on and, he, and says later, just for no one hates his own body, but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it just as Christ does for the church. Oftentimes in marriage counseling, I'll use this scripture over and over again because it's so important that in the confines of marriage, that if we can understand marriage is intended to be the way that Jesus loves the church and the church ought to love Jesus, then our marriages will be stronger and more successful in the future. Because this is the image, is that it is an undying, sacrificial, it is a love that has no record of wrongs. It's a love that is patient and kind. It's a love that goes beyond even what man might say. It surpasses knowledge. It's an undying love. And this is the image that Paul wants us to understand about the love of Jesus, that this is the way that Jesus loves us. He loves his church. And we get the understanding here that he begins to talk about the church as the bride of Christ. And when the Bible tells us later in Revelation that one day Jesus is going to come back for his bride, the church, you and I. And he's going to make ready the marriage supper of the Lamb where you and I will gather with him. And the bride makes herself ready, the scripture tells us. And this is the image that Jesus gives us here is that the bride of Christ is the church. It's you and I. It's what happens right here today. And one of the things that happens a lot of times when we're living in love in this culture of American Christianity is to become often very critical and cynical of the church. But I want to just encourage you and remind you today that the church is the bride of Christ. And be careful when you're critical and cynical of the church because that's the bride that Jesus loves, the one that he laid down his life for. It's easy to mark the church by what we see immediately with our eyes, but most of the time the church is made up of things that we can't put our eyes on. Grace, the Holy Spirit, God at work, his presence at work among us. And those are the elements that our eyes cannot see, but it's the elements which make the church what it is. We are the bride of Christ. One of my favorite authors, Eugene Peterson, he gives this imagery about what it means to be the church. And he tells this story that a friend told him about they were looking for this place called Mount Monarch, Mount Monarch rather. And he says this was a place that he, they were driving through the town and they were looking for this place called Mount Monarch. And they drove and drove and drove and they saw signs that said Mount Mononoc this way. So they turned and they went this way and they got in there and they said, well, the sign says this is the general store of Mount Mononoc. Here's the Mount Mononoc State Park. Here's the Mount Mononoc grocery store. All the things were pointing around them to where there was, but yet they couldn't find Mount Mononoc. And they kept driving and driving and driving and eventually it hit them. They've been looking for some distinct thing which they thought was Mount Mononoc, but all along they realized, and he closes the story by saying, it is here. We are on it, and it is under us. And this is true about the church, is oftentimes in our consumeristic culture of people who are driving and driving and driving, looking for a church, hoping to find something that they thought was the church, and going here and there and everywhere, and maybe becoming critical and cynical in their heart, and missing out on the joys of being rooted and grounded in love, while all along, it is us, we are the church, it is me, I'm a part of the church, I belong to the body of Christ, it is right here, right now. 
Church is not a place we go. It's who we are. And many times in our consumeristic culture, we're trying to find things that check all the boxes and saying, well, it doesn't meet this, it doesn't meet that, but not realizing all along that you and I make up the church. And if you want to see a change in the church, then be the change in the church. Be the one who leads and prays and serves and shows the example of being the imitator of Christ. Living in love is imitating Christ. And secondly, living in love is living as children of light. Paul goes on to tell them in Ephesians 5, For you were once in darkness, but now, then the Lord, you are light. Live as children of light. The semantics of this are very interesting. And he makes sure to point out to them that you were once in darkness. You're not in darkness anymore. You were once in darkness, but now you are in the Lord, you are light. Our lives as followers of Christ, as believers in Jesus, ought to reflect the new creation work Christ is doing in us. It ought to reflect that there is growth and life happening in us. In Ephesians 5 and 3, he tells them, Fornication, impurity of any kind, greed, must not be even mentioned among you as is proper among the saints. Entirely out of place is obscene, silly, and vulgar talk, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Paul's trying to draw their attention to the fact that if growth is a sign of life, then there should be evidence that we are growing out of and away from our former lives. That ought to mark the believer. Our lifestyle ought to be representative that I'm not who I used to be, but I'm being imitating Jesus in my life. I'm growing as a child of light. Thirdly, Paul goes in and he begins to tell them that living in love is being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, he tells them, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. You want to see how a wise person lives? Listen to what he says. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts and giving thanks to God. Musicians are going to come. Living in love means being filled with the Spirit. And I want to tell you today, the only way, the only way, the only way to live in love, to imitate God, or to live as a child of light, the only way, is to be filled with God's Spirit. Otherwise, we can't do it on our own. Paul later tells the Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, that the fruit of the Spirit is love. The result of the Spirit at work in our heart is love. And if we are going to be rooted and grounded in love, if there's hate, if there's anger, if there's unforgiveness, we might have to check and make sure we're planted in the right soil. Because when the Spirit is at work in us, what is going to happen is, is there is going to be love flowing and exuding from our lives. And Paul gives a contrast to wine. And he tells them, don't be drunk with wine. If you know, this alcohol is a relaxant. It causes you to relax and be, be, be at ease. But being filled with the Spirit is a stimulant. It causes you to come alive and awaken and be aware of what is happening in, around you. It causes you to come alive and be aware at God's work in our lives. One of the great leaders of the Azusa Street Revival, William Seymour, he said it like this, that the power from the Spirit, when you sum it all up, is just more of God's love. If it does not bring more love, 
It is simply a counterfeit. And isn't that true? That when God's Spirit is in us, we're going to love better. We're going to serve better. Being filled with the Spirit is not just a one-time occurrence, but every day we need God's Spirit to help us love. When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll love the stranger. You'll love somebody who looks different than you. You'll love somebody and you'll sit beside somebody who is different than you. When you're filled with the Spirit, your love will, be, your love will compel you by God's Spirit to move and help and serve and be compelled and do all that God wants you to do. But it's only by God's Spirit. And so he tells them, be filled with the Spirit. And then what's going to happen is you're going to fall more in love with Jesus. You're going to sing psalms. You're going to sing hymns to the Lord, spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord in your hearts. I love that, making melody to the Lord in your hearts. When the Holy Spirit's in us, it's going to cause us to be more in love with Jesus, more in love with the world, more in love with the people around us, and embracing and loving and encouraging and being the one that people can run to in time of need. You see, when the Spirit comes, it's the baptism of greater love. It's the baptism that it was love that compelled Christ to fulfill his mission. And when God's spirit comes upon us, it's going to be love that will compel us to fulfill our God-given destiny. Living in love is being filled with the spirit. And if there was ever a time that our world needed a fresh baptism of love, our churches needed a fresh baptism of love, it's right now. That in a world that is filled with animosity, unforgiveness, hatred, soil that is rotten, soil that is no good, it's right now that God would help us be filled with the Spirit, to love, to embrace, that has no respect for culture, tradition, race, background, but just loves, just embraces, just runs and grabs and hugs and says, because Christ loves me, I love you. Because God gave his life upon a cross, I love you. That's an amazing type of love, and it surpasses all knowledge. I want to leave you with this. Acts chapter 19. One of the few examples we see Paul in life in action with the church in Ephesus, the church who we've just been talking about. And when he came to them, the Bible says he was on his journey, and he stopped and came to them. And he asked them this unique question. When he came to them, he found the believers at Ephesus. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? And they replied, no, we didn't even know there is a Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Paul laid his hands on them and they received the Spirit. You know what's unique about this is that the church in Ephesus, they heard the gospel. They heard about Jesus. They heard about his life upon a cross and his resurrection. They knew all about that. But the thing that they were missing, and Paul made a point to make sure that he asked them, is that did you receive the Holy Spirit? The difference in the life of the believer is when the Holy Spirit is present. And that was what the church in Ephesus needed, was the fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. A fresh baptism of love. And go back to our prayer in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him, by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we could ask or imagine. Can I tell you today, that power is not your power, it's not my power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's accomplishing far more than we could ask or imagine. If you want to embrace God's great purpose that is bigger and greater than you and I combined, then it happens when we are filled with God's Spirit. And today I want to encourage you to seek God's fresh filling of love today. Would you stand with me this morning?
I'm grateful today we've been rooted and grounded in love. I remember when I first came to the church, it was love that kept me. Some believers who'd never met me before put their arms around me, embraced me, wrapped me, encouraged me in the faith. Can I tell you? That's living proof that what happens when you get rooted and grounded in love. That love helped encourage me and make me who I am today. And today I want to encourage, just be an encourager to you today that there is a love that covers a multitude of sins. And this morning as I was preparing and praying today, I just felt like a reminder we needed today that we need the soil of love. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Today maybe you're harboring unforgiveness, bitterness. Maybe there's discord going on around you. And I just encourage you today to get rooted and grounded in love. If Jesus could be upon the cross and look at those people who crucified him and he say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That same spirit is alive in you and I today that can forgive, that can let go. Maybe you've been hurt, rightfully so. Maybe someone's done you wrong, rightfully so, and you're in the right. I want to tell you today, there is a freedom when you learn to forgive and let Jesus' love compels you to embrace, to let go, to be healed. This morning, if that's you, would you just call upon the Lord today? The choir's going to come. We're going to sing. Would you just call to Him today? Fill me, Lord, with Your Spirit. Fill me with love today. I need a fresh baptism of love today, Lord. I don't want to harbor anger anymore. Maybe someone in the church some years ago has done you wrong and you've been holding on to that forever and judging the church ever since then because of that instance. Can I just encourage you today to let that go? God sees that. He knows your pain. He knows what you're dealing with. But more than that, He wants you to experience the power and the joy of forgiveness, of healing from hurt. Lord, today we pray this morning that we might comprehend, that we might understand the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ for us. Lord, I want to pray for my friends who are here today, Lord, and they need your love in their hearts. Lord, maybe they're angry, God, at life. They're angry at their family, whatever it may be, Lord. It doesn't matter. You're able to help us to forgive. And Lord, today we pray for your spirit to help us. God, give us a fresh baptism of love, Lord. Nothing else, as Seymour said, it's a counterfeit if it's anything else. Lord, help us to have love in our hearts from your spirit living in us. God, help us to be rooted and grounded in love today, Jesus. The type of love that helps us to embrace our neighbor. The type of love that helps us to embrace the stranger. The family member who's estranged from us. Fill us with love today, Jesus. Fill us with love today, Lord. Lord, today I want to pray for that person who feels as though they are distant from you. They've wandered away from you. They wonder, where am I at? What is going on? I pray today you would remind them that, Lord, there is nothing that they could ever do that will change how much you love them. That you love them, period. And I pray, God, today they would never forget that. Father, we thank you for your love today. Come, Holy Spirit, today. Give us fresh love this morning. Fresh love. As the choir sings, would you just call to the Lord? Look up to Him. Lift your voice to Him. God, fill me with your spirit. Give me love today. 
Fill me. Let me be rooted and grounded in love this morning. Let's sing today.